Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys, welcome to Selfie. Well, today we are going to be asking the question, should high school students go to actual parties like drinking and smoking pot parties? Should parents allow that? Um, in Psych and Pop Culture, we're looking at an article that um has research on this age-old debate, which is harder, parenting toddlers or parenting teenagers. We're going to hear from uh, listener Jessica about raising a child with Prader-Willi syndrome. Um, and then we're going to be doing our two thumbs up and our mental health check-in. Let's start there. Hey, Matthias, how are you? Hey, Kristen. I'm doing all right. I'm cold. You're cold. Well, I'm I mean, cold. you are in the Pacific Northwest. I am. Yeah. It's more than that, though. Is it? <laughs> yeah. My the heater in my apartment stopped working like a week ago. Uh, I have like a little gas powered fireplace that is the only source of heat for for my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in like a mother in law unit, and it's lovely when it when it works and it has worked, but all of a sudden it stopped it stopped working, and so I like texted my landlord. <laughs> it was like, hey, I don't have any heat, and he was like, oh, go get you know this little space heater that he had it in the larger home and I have that, but that's Mm -hmm. it. So that has been this week is the space heater. It's adequate, but my apartment has been, you know, in like between 62 and 64, which is. What? (laughs) I would be dying. (laughs) And I, I prefer cold over warm. I love wrapping up in a blanket. Like it's not miserable, but I am well aware of like, it, it is chilly in my apartment. So that's really cold. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have slippers? Do you have a good robe? I do have a great robe. I don't have any slippers, but I may be close to getting some because the floor feels cold too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that's that my week. Mm-hmm. What's your, okay, curious. What's your robe? Like where'd you I get it? And Kristen, what kind I don't is actually it? know. My parents gave it to me for Christmas like 15 years ago. I mean, it's <gasps> old. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and it is not in the greatest condition. It's not the kind of robe that I no, would wear. No, it's like a wear. security blanket at this right. point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when you've had it that long. <laughs> it's, it's gross. Yeah, the, the bluing trick that I talked about a long time ago does not work on this robe anymore. Is it like, white? It is, it's a white robe, yeah. Oh, I mean, well, it was a white robe. <laughs> oh, I don't think I could do a white robe. I mean... I I don't want to know the amount of food that's on my robe. <laughs> oh yeah, right. No, the stains, <laughs> all of it. It's it is gross, but I I love it. I love it. I have a funny. I'm a long term rober as well. Yeah. Um, I got a robe when Javda was a baby, and so Javda's seventeen. Okay. Yeah. When he was a baby, he was given this like wonderful barefoot dreams blanket. Do you know those blankets? I've heard of them. Yeah. I mean, they're like. Ex- ridiculously expensive, but they're like Chanel, super, super soft. Mm-hmm. So he was given one of those blankets that immediately became his object, you know, his um, 
lovey or what have you, his security yep. blanket. And yep. I thought, you know, I'm going to get myself a robe made of that material so that when he cuddles up on me, I feel mm. the same as his blanket. Mm-hmm. And so I bought myself a Barefoot Dreams robe, so expensive. Um, and I kept that thing for, yeah, 15 years. Wow. For sure. And then, yeah, like maybe two years ago, I was like, I have to get rid of this. <laughs> it was like threadbare. <laughs> so then I bought another one, but it wasn't Barefoot Dreams. It was a knockoff and it has not aged well. So I think I may buy myself another Barefoot Dreams robe. Yeah, I should look into those because you know it's been 15 years. Since They're I've... very nice. But let me give you a piece of advice. Get a get one in like brown or black. Good to know. Yeah, Not white, white. White is rough in a robe, at least the way it sounds like you and I use robes. Like I'm like eating pizza. I wear mine. <laughs> I mean, if it's 7 p.m. and I'm at home, I'm wearing it. <laughs> in fact, in fact, Facebook just served me an ad yesterday for what they call a work robe. And it's okay. it's like party on the top business or part party on the bottom business on the top, I guess. But it looks like a a work shirt on the top and then it's just no. a robe that you can wear in a Zoom <laughs> meeting. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like I have never felt so seen by targeted marketing. <laughs> If if we ever move to a video format for this podcast, like I feel like we're both going to be wearing those. It's surprising <laughs> that I'm not wearing mine right now. <laughs> Only because I had somewhere to go this morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Do you now do you put yours over clothing or do you usually change it to pajamas and then the robe is part of the pajamas or both? I it depends. I'll sometimes do just the robe. Uh, yeah. and that's it. But often like, often that's a little bit too uncomfortable for me. And so I'll just do, like, pajama bottoms. Yeah. And then the robe over that. And yeah. that, that works well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how are you? How's your week going? I am good. I am, um, well, when I mentioned I had somewhere to go this morning, I, I am flying high on the thrill of getting a good deal. Yes. Are you like that? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Like, I'm nearly manic. Yes. <laughs> So let me tell you the story. So there's this outdoor furniture company called Harbor Outdoor. Let me back okay. up. I have needed outdoor furniture for years. It's yeah. so expensive. It's so expensive. Like so expensive. Like shocking. Shockingly expensive. Yeah. So I've needed it. I haven't had it. I've I have like this stuff I bought on Amazon like 12 years 12 years ago without exaggeration it's like all weather wicker the wicker's just poking out everywhere yeah. then when the pandemic started you know then we were like we have to hang out outdoors you know and so then I bought these IKEA sofas off Craigslist they're indoor sofas that I have had outdoors for a year oh no since the pandemic started so mm-hmm. longer than a year and they worked fine, honestly. They served their purpose. We've had many a hangout outside in those sofas, but they're indoor sofas outside. Right, right. So they're ripped to shreds. I don't even know if I can give them away at this point. Uh-huh. So I've been in the market for outdoor furniture. I get this, again, targeted marketing email from this company called Harbor Outdoor, which I'd never even heard of. I go to their website, and they're like, we're having a sample sale in Orange County this weekend. Oh, my gosh. So I'm like, what? I'm there. So we go this morning, and I got – I can't even tell you. 
first of all, it's the most expensive brand I've ever seen. Oh, great. It's like there's a sofa is like three to $4,000 for one sofa. Holy shit. And they sell to like um, resorts, you know? Yeah, like this right. is like hotel or rich people. <laughs> Outdoor furniture. This is not IKEA. You know, it's all stainless steel. It's or powder coated steel. It's all sunbrella material. Yeah, I've never had this level of outdoor furniture. So their typical sofas are like three thousand dollars. I'm thinking in my head, well, what you know? I know outdoor furniture is expensive. Like, let me just go and see the outdoor furnitures. They had discounted to five ninety nine. No, I got four of them. Yeah, right. I got four of them. Oh my gosh. I was like, I'll take them all. So I got these beautiful, I'll link it up, beautiful, they're powder-coated steel, dark gray with light gray cushions, super modern, clean lines. Like it's, it is so fancy and I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds amazing. I'm so excited. I am a little bit jealous over here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. I mean, they have like scratches and dents. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. So anyway, I'm g- finally going to have grown up outdoor furniture in my backyard. Oh, that's so fun. Speaking of furniture, I think one of your two thumbs up, I know what it is because you got it already and I'm super yes. jealous. You got a Floyd sofa. I did. Yeah. I yeah. love that company. Me too. I I love that you've heard of them before. Well, again, targeted marketing. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So I have been in the market for a new sofa for years at this point, but couldn't afford it and you have been saving up, but also trying to do research because I'm like, if if I'm going to spend money on a sofa, I want it to last for a while. Like I I don't want to have to be going and buying another sofa in five, even 10 years. Like I want it to last uh, and it feels like my like a big adult purchase. <laughs> so I you know I've been researching for forever, and consistently, this Floyd brand has been coming up. And, and yeah, they have great you, reviews. Oh my gosh, yeah, such good reviews. Uh, everything is made in Detroit, so exclusively made in in Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Here, you know, obviously, here in the states, and their whole thing is you never have to buy another piece of whatever furniture you buy from us again. Mm. That's their whole thing is mm-hmm. it's so high quality. It's the last sofa you'll ever buy. We'll see about that. But I got mine. So I ordered it a, about like just about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Showed up within three and a half weeks, which was wild to me because I, you know, I thought they would be like everywhere else. They're lying about <laughs> so, you know, totally like delivery times. I was like, oh, it'll be like three months, even though they said four weeks. No, four weeks shows nice. up at my door. I love it, Kristen. I, I've only had it for a week at this point, but it is so high quality. The the thing looks really light, mm-hmm. kind of mid-century modern. Yeah. You would think you'd be able to just kind of drag it around pretty easily. It's like 100 pounds. Is it? So it's yes. not going anywhere. That's it's nice. It's not going anywhere. It's solid steel. The upholstery is beautiful. What color did you get? I got like the ash gray, so yeah. so it's a lighter. Which is so smart; it'll match anything. It won't yeah. show dirt. Yeah, yeah. So highly recommend if if you're or so far anyway. Uh, if you're in the market for a sofa, definitely look up Floyd and and highly consider them because it's comfy, well made, and I do think it will last for a very long time. It's really cute too. Yeah, yeah. It it is. Uh, yeah, 
I love it. I'm, I'm so happy with it. Okay. I have to tell the story of my sectional in my living room. Okay. <laughs> so I have had forever. I had a sectional from Ikea called the Callstead. Okay. And it has lasted. It's really funny because Sarah James, the first co-host of Selfie with me, mm-hmm. her husband is a high-end interior designer. Mm. And they had these sofas. And I remember him saying, like, I, I just get these because they match every everything and they last forever. So I bought one of the sectionals when I had little tiny kids. Yeah. Kept it forever. And it really it, – it is. It's really comfortable. It doesn't lose its shape. I mean, surprisingly high quality for Ikea. I moved it to three different houses. And when I moved into this house, it just – the scale wasn't right. Yeah. My living room here is a little bit bigger and I need something longer. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? I start looking at sectionals. Well, outdoor furniture is crazy expensive. Sectionals, what in the world? Oh, my. Right. What in the world? Right. I mean, it was like $6,000, $7,000. Right. For one as big as I needed. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I can't afford this. This sucks. I have a sectional I like. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I remember that these sectionals, these IKEA sectionals are kind of like mix and match. Mm -hmm. So I go online and I find an extra couch from that same line. Mm. I It's $100. I drive to LA, pick it up, bring it home. I take the arms off. And we added it into the middle of my current sectional. Yes. <laughs> so now I have a giant <laughs> sectional that I paid 100 extra dollars for. Amazing. We call it the Franken couch. But you, no one can tell. Yeah. <laughs> and then it started to look, you know, it was looking a little dingy because – Especially because I've now matched together two sofas, so you could tell which one was older too. Yeah, right. <laughs> like the the fabrics aren't matching anymore. Uh-huh. So then I ordered custom covers from this place called Comfort Works. Okay. And I think it was like seven hundred dollars. So now the whole thing is covered in like, you know, that material that like you can pour coffee on and wipe right off. Yep. Yep. So yes, that is how that is, the moral of the story is. That is how I have a giant sectional. <laughs> In my living room that I could afford. I love that. <laughs> I am such I am such a miser about I my mean, furniture. You have to be when when the prices are. But it makes me so happy mm-hmm. when I figure yeah. it out. Yep. When yeah. I like crack the code. So I mean, are those sofa covers your two thumbs up, or did you have something else? <laughs> they are not. Although I will link them up. <laughs> yeah. Um, my. Two thumbs up is I just got some new salt and pepper canisters. They're not canisters. What are they called? The salt well? I I don't even actually. There's a a fancy name for it. Holders. Salt holders. (laughs) I don't know. I can't remember the name. Uh, But anyway, they're the canisters that you, you know, hold your salt and pepper. But they're not shakers. They're like, you know, the kind that you pinch out of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Which is a funny – that was a funny transition because – I went to a friend's house who's a big cook, and he he does the pinch salt. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's so interesting. I think I want to try that. And now I'll, like, never go back. Why? It just feels like you can get a better measure using your fingers like that than shaking or... Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, and yeah. I just... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it disperses over your food better. And I also just feel like it's a fun sensory experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I found these really cute ones from Etsy. They're made of stone, or I think they're ceramic, actually. And they just have etched on the top salt and pepper in like a really cute modern font. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They, they have a little tray to keep them together when you're not using them. I'll link them up, but they're really cute and I'm very happy with them. That sounds like fun. Yeah. It's very exciting. All right. Our listener question. Should we let our high school students go to actual parties? Yep. <laughs> this is t- this is a tough one. Yeah. I want to hear what you think. Oh gosh. Like I mean, I feel like it's similar to what we were talking about last week with Snapchat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that the the bind between yeah. being social, making friends, being, you know, part of a group and included in the high school experience and the incredible danger that is very real. Um but personally, I think when I have kids, no, my kids are not going to go to a party where there are drugs and alcohol. Like, yeah. that's not happening. Yeah. Did you go to parties like that when you were a teenager? No. But yeah. I was home, like, I was homeschooled, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was, and I think I went to one, like, I was in drama and, you know, drama kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Crucible cast party. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I went to, like, one or two of those cast parties and but I remember like I was such a good kid loser that like if I knew alcohol was in the basement, I stayed upstairs. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't even go downstairs. It's so funny. <laughs> and see, I'm on the other end of the extreme where I went to parties constantly as a teenager. I always told my mom that I was spending the night at Angie's. Uh-huh. And then Angie said she was spending that at my house because we weren't yeah. allowed to go to parties. Classic. But I mean, every freaking weekend we were, you know quote unquote, spending the night at each other's house, which meant that we then didn't have a place to sleep. (laughs) So not only were we going to parties where there was drinking, we didn't, we then had to find places to sleep. And in my youth, I slept um, in a park gazebo. I broke into a friend's garage and slept. I slept at, you know, people's parties. Um, so problematic and i'm very very fortunate that nothing horrible ever happened to me mm-hmm. but i did grow up, go, grow up going to parties like this and yeah i mean i think it's interesting though when i grew up these parties happened at places where there weren't parents home right so a lot of times they happened at like some 20 year old guy's house mm-hmm. you know somebody who had an, a friend with an apartment which is creepy But now what's weird is now, at least in the community I live at, these are happening with parents' home. Right. Like Like parents are providing the alcohol. Totally. Like the if you're gonna drink, drink in my house so I at least can monitor you. Yeah. So that's a new one. Uh Uh-huh. So one of my kids um, at age 14 was invited to a cast party at which there was full on adult sanctioned drinking. And pot smoking. At and 14. she, yeah, and she came home like, um, <laughs> what <laughs> was that? They were they were bummed. Yeah, really bummed. I I mean I feel like that. Like like if 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 you're a kid who doesn't want to drink, right? Doesn't want to smoke. Like that just and ruins this kid did not did party. not right yeah right. It, yeah, there's the peer pressure, but there's also the, like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And so there is nothing else to do. Yes. I mean, she said there were a couple of them that were not drinking, 
But she said it was so awkward. She's like, everyone was drunk but us. So it was like the drunk kids and the other kids. Mm. Um, you know, she's like, everyone was acting so dumb. I mean, in a weird way, I think the experience turned her off from drinking. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because people were acting so stupid. But I, you know, so I unknowingly sent a kid. I mean, I dropped her off and picked her up. I had no mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. And then I was mm-hmm. so pissed at this mother. And my daughter's like, you can't tell. You can't, you know, you can't do anything. So I didn't. Ugh. But let me tell you, I am I am very tempted to call the cops on parents who behave like this. I would, I would too. Like, I will get Karen on this. I will. Yeah, I, and I think for good reason. Yeah. Because... Totally. I mean, I know from my experience, not as a high school student, but being an adult going to parties where for whatever reason I'm not drinking that night and being at a party where everyone is getting more and more like perpetually drunk. Yeah. It is just, it is not a fun experience. And I think it's also, you know, it's a recipe for sexual assault. Yes. With teenagers. I mean, the only reason, you know, theater parties might be a little bit different (laughs) because, (laughs) but you know, parties with straight boys, that's a disaster. (laughs) I mean, it's true, though. It's true. <laughs> that was the one thing that I felt like I'm, like, taking stock of the boys that were there. I'm like, okay. No danger. No danger. But, yeah, I don't know. So that was one experience I had. I did send another kid to a party that I knew there was drinking. Um, and it did not It did not end well. Mm-hmm. So our rule now is No. Which is a fair rule. Which is a fair rule. And I'm like, you guys, I, I know there are other parents who don't allow this. And I'm sorry. Like, you can do other things. We've had – it's so tough, though. It's it's really hard to host a party without it and get teens to come. You know? Wow. Yeah, no, that makes sense. When they've gotten their taste of that. Like, we've right. had a few parties, but they just feel lame. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, I don't know. My rule yeah. is no. I've landed on no. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah. And I think I would, too. I mean, I think no. I would tell my kids, like, okay, like, you can survive four years of lame parties. Yes. And go to as many as you want when you're older. Like, exactly. <laughs> there'll be plenty of opportunity. Exactly. Even though it feels like hell right now. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Today's What I Want You to Know is from listener Jessica. She is going to talk to us about raising a child with Prader-Willi syndrome, which is a syndrome that causes children to be constantly hungry. What I want you to know about living with a locked kitchen. What I want you to know is that my son, Ryan, now 18, has a rare genetic disorder called Prader-Willi syndrome. And because of that, he could literally eat himself into a medical emergency or premature death. This is why we must keep our kitchen locked at all times. I call myself the babysitter of the kitchen. When Ryan was born, he didn't cry, couldn't suck, or hardly move because he had hypotonia or low muscle tone. He was considered a baby with failure to thrive because he did not wake or cry to get his needs met like needing to eat. He was diagnosed at five weeks of age with Prader-Willi syndrome. And when we read that he was going to switch from failure to thrive to dangerous food-seeking behavior, our hearts and jaws were on the floor. I even envisioned writing to Oprah, who is so passionate about obesity 
and telling her about this crazy genetic disorder. I actually started that letter, but never finished it, sent it in. I think I was in too much shock grief to follow through. In PWS, there are no satiety signals in the brain and body. And in childhood, this food-seeking food obsession begins. Food is like air to kids and adults with PWS. Thankfully, we did not need to lock our kitchen until Ryan was much older, age 13. And then, by the time he was 16, we had to become ever vigilant about the fridge and pantry being locked every second of the day. Ryan has become so smart to watch like a cat ready to pounce if someone gets distracted and walks away from the kitchen without locking things up. He is highly aware. I have allowed my other kids to have locks on their bedroom doors to protect them from Ryan ravaging their rooms for gum or candy or cough drops. We do not have cute jars of protein bars or holiday candies out on the counter, ever. We do not have bananas ripening on the counter, ever. We never have any piece of food out on the counter around mealtimes, ever, without it having a babysitter. We do not serve meals family style. We do not have vitamins or medicines unlocked, ever. We check under Ryan's bed on a regular basis to see if he somehow did get access to food. He hides the trash in the same place every single time. It's kind of cute, actually. We do not punish Ryan for taking food, but we do give consequences. If he goes into his siblings' rooms looking for stuff, since it is a violation of their privacy. I am ever vigilant. I even check the kitchen in the middle of the night. I am on, on, on at all times when Ryan is around. This food drive is genetically driven and will never change no matter how well we have trained or taught or monitored Ryan. He will need to be watched 24-7 for the rest of his life. All right. Well, today's question, well, it's, it's not a question. It, this is our psych and pop culture, but we're looking at new research that talks about which is harder, parenting toddlers or parenting teenagers? What do you think it says? I mean, I read it. I but I would have told you what before would you have I read it. Before you I would read have it. Yeah. guessed. Actually, I was going back and forth on it before I read it. I was like, which one does seem harder? Yeah. I think I fell on the side of toddlers. Toddlers seemed harder to me, and in my mind, seems uh-huh. more difficult uh-huh. than than teens. Yeah, but it's a. It felt like a pretty close toss-up yeah i think i would have said toddlers but it's funny that i would say that and like my stress level is so bad right now right (laughs) um i think i slept better when i had toddlers but i was Mm. very tired so anyway the research shows there is not a difference between the stress level of parents of toddlers and parents of teenagers they are equally stressed the difference being parents of toddlers felt more overwhelmed and they had less personal time and more conflict with their partners, um, but they had a better satisfaction in their relationship with their children than parents of teenagers. Hmm. It's, that's just so interesting. Yeah. So there's more interpersonal conflict with the kids, I think, when they're teenagers. When they're teens, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when they're little, it's like it's it's a physical challenge. And when they're older, I think it's a mental challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I 
I am not experiencing as much stress raising teens as I thought I would. Huh. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I should knock on wood because they're, you know, they're not grown yet. Right. But um, I I like my kids and I think they like me. <laughs> like, we yeah. don't have a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. I mean, it's hard for sure. But I, I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just like all of these articles, I you know I always say I want kids, but I've been seeing that less and less. <laughs> <laughs> and this article did that same thing. <laughs> like, okay, oh, I'm gonna like don't. I'm gonna just be sappy for a minute yeah. because I feel like it. It's hard to be sappy because I do feel like people are constantly being like, "Oh my gosh, teens!" Am I right? Like yeah, right. the constant drama. Can you even? And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. Can you even?" But like, really, I I really like my teenagers right mm. now. I think mm. they're absolutely enjoyable. They're super fun travel partners. They're super fun. Like my girls went and saw a play last night. We're going to see a play tomorrow night also, mm. just for fun. Like I. I really enjoy my teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I created really cool people that I want to be around. Mm. I don't want to be their best friend, but I really like them. I love that. Yeah. 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 That part does sound fun. Yeah, it really is. Like, I, I mean, and I think that when they leave the home, I will be very sad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> very sad. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think is not talked about as much, and what I hear from friends as being harder than toddlers and teenagers is having young adult children. That also makes sense. Because, you know, they still have none of the sense and you have none of the say. Right. (laughs) At that point. (laughs) I have a lot of friends with young adults who are on the struggle bus with their young adults. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe the worst years are still ahead of me. We'll see. (laughs) I think we'll let's I'm going to do a poll in selfie and I'm going to ask which people think is harder in our group. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up. We're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. And by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 